0: Hello everyone and welcome to an NCP conversation where biblical sermons are presented through a TED Talk-like fashion. I'm your host Wayne Kahn and today we are going through our fourth sermon through the book of James, Your Bubble Will Kill You. Today we are going through James chapter 1 verses 9 through 12. I'm very excited to be presenting this sermon to you. Let's jump right into it. I have a question for you today. How do you root out lies in your life? How do you root out lies in your life? This, my friends, is a tough question. It's a tough question because I think about how the average Canadian might answer this, and I believe they might dodge it altogether. Some of you, however, might answer we do it by using facts. Facts are the answers to lies. Facts are the hard edged truth that we'd all recognize. Facts such as myself, I'm over 6 feet tall. This is a fact. Unless the measurements for feet change, I will always be this measured height. But even if the measurement changes, I will still be this tall no matter what scale you use. I may shrink over time as most people do but probably not to a noticeable standard. Facts are the answers to lies. But are they? Today I want to have a discussion on truth. I want to have a discussion on truth because I want to seek out the truth. This is why I brought up the conception of lies. The concept of lies. Of course lies, as in straight out lies, complete opposite that to the truth, are definitely deterrents to truth breaking through. But lies, one might suggest, fall all the way down to misconceptions. Lies may be too strong for a word to use for misconceptions, but for argument's sake today, let's suggest anything that takes away from the truth may be the form of a lie. Anything that leads away from truth has a root of lies within it. No matter how neat and nicely it's been packaged, that which leads from truth are lies. You see, this is important because life has these deep, complex issues that at first glance may be difficult to understand. This isn't first grade math. This is life. And life can be difficult with these complex issues. Facts by themselves may have a hard time breaking through to these complex issues. The truth is, facts are not the answer to lies because you can have all the facts that support the argument and, and yet be led away from the thing that is the truth. What fixes lies. What roots out the lies in your life is to have right and true perspective. My big idea for today is that we need to fix our perspective. You've heard the saying, perspective is reality. Perception is reality. An idealist myself, I have had a hard time with this saying because I believed it to be wrong. No, perception isn't reality, reality is reality. If someone is seeing it wrong, it doesn't change the reality. The truth is, sure, objective reality is out there. Nobody is questioning that. The question is, practically, how does it matter? To a blind man, there's still color. But how would you describe color to a blind man? Would they have any idea of what that might be? Would that impact the world in any practical matter? Perception may not be objective reality, but at the end of the day, practically, how can you not say perception is reality? Practically, people are going to live out what they perceive is going on. When you walk down a dark alley, What happens? Well, you walk a little bit quicker, don't you? I know I do. Why? Because the truth is that I am unsure what lurks within the shadows of an alley. There might not be anyone around for miles. My perception is, what if there is? With that perceived danger, I act differently perception might not be reality in its totality, but you cannot deny that it heavily informs your view on reality, and therefore the actions you take within your perceived reality. So, if perception is reality, and yet there's an objective reality out there, what do we do? Because, to be honest, your perception of reality May contain some lies within it. What do we do? Well, we fix our perception because you can't change objective reality, so therefore we must change our perception. How do we fix our perception? This isn't an easy answer, it's not an easy question to solve. For those of you who are religious, there are certain structures you're told to trust. leadership. Holy books, traditions are known to be sources of trusted structure, which you and I can learn from. Maybe you're not religious. For those of you who are not religious, there are scientific studies, experts, your own logic to fall back on. The struggle with both of these groups, the religious and the non-religious, is that they fall into the same trappings of what I call the bubble. For many of us, huh? I think you could almost say for most, for all of us, we didn't grow up to teach ourselves. We grew up observing others' habits. We grew up being taught by others. We grew up having certain perspectives being placed upon us. This is what the postmodernists call as bias. Bias is the idea that you see the world in a certain light because of your expectations because of your experiences in life and those who have informed those experiences around you. Some in this area go too far saying that because you have such intrinsic biases you'll never be able to see the world clearly. See the problem with this is that this leads to putting lines in the sand because saying you are white or you are male, or you are North American, or you are whatever, you will never be able to understand the experiences of a black person, of a female, of a person from Asia, or a person from whatever. My friends, we must not do this. For when we do this, when we split minds based on what group we belong to, we stop trying to see the other person. We start putting Ourselves in another person's shoes because we can never fully understand and there may be a point that the fact that you and I can never understand our lives experiences But we should try our hardest We should fight to get beyond our biases our bubbles in order to gain a deeper wider perspective We must get outside of our bubble because it's keeping us ignorant It's making us callous, and it's keeping us distant from others. I truly believe that if you stay in your bubble, it will kill you. For the religious crowd, you have a bubble. And the bubble is sometimes reinforced by leadership, holy books, and traditions that aren't necessarily steeped in truth and life. Perhaps they are made with good intentions. but. Sometimes they do not lead exactly where God is asking us to go. I have a friend who grew up in the Christian faith, and in his home, there was no drinking. Now, for those of you who don't know, drinking is not considered wrong in the Christian faith, but getting drunk is. (laughs) My wife literally looked at me the other day and and asked me, Have you ever been drunk? I said, no, I've had alcoholic beverages, but I've been very careful not to get drunk. And all she responded with was, huh, there was a twinge of uncertainty in my life. I don't know why, but a question popped up. Is this a good thing or is this a bad thing? I believe that we all grow up with these biases such as rules of drink in your household. My friend grew up in a bubble, in, in such a firm bubble, that now, if he sees anyone drinking in alcoholic beverages, he loses respect for them. He told me this, and, and at that point, you could see him peeping out of his bubble to say, I know that drinking is okay, And I know my bias is to say that nobody should drink. And and I judge people for doing it, but I'm not sure how to move beyond it. You see, he is doing his first steps to take out, to get out of his bubble. Now for the non-religious side, it has been incredible to watch how meditation has moved into Western culture over the last two decades. Growing up, meditation had a very different meaning to the masses. It was something for the ultra-spiritual. It was practiced by some of the greatest minds, but it wasn't for the everyday person. Of course, back then, we didn't have the constant messaging, the emailing, the texting, the social media that we have today. There wasn't so much bombarding us at every moment of every day. But as the rise of technology, has become more and more prevalent in our day and age, and speed has become the greatest factor of success, there's a greater call to simpler times. Thus, the rise of meditation has occurred in our culture today because you have to slow down. For your own mental health, for your own spiritual health, you have to disconnect the call to sit to be still to 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 the non-religious community it's incredible if you have considered yourself non-religious and yet you yourself have made a move towards spiritual living towards the understanding that you need to sit and not be so busy all the time you have peeked out of your bubble and congratulations for that. You peeked out of the bubble. You begun to ask the question, what am I missing beyond my bubble of science and logic that might be critical to my own self-development? For both these groups, they begin to fix their perspective by paying attention to their own life. This, my friends, is step number one to gaining a true whole perspective. Pay attention to your life. Because when you begin this process, you realize, man, you've got quite the bubble there. It's surrounded yourself. It's made you ignorant. Thus, people encounter three types of perspective, at least as they begin this journey to gaining true perspective. Possibly, people develop five types of perspective and we'll get there but let's go for the through the first three first. The first type you'll find is that once you start paying attention to your life is that you have no perspective. How how, how can that be? How can I have no perspective? This to look at your life is a very complicated thing to do. To look at the fundamental beliefs in your life and question why do I believe that? For my religious friend, for even myself, at times in my life, we have had to wonder why do we think drinking is bad? Well, because the Bible tells us so. Well, no, the Bible actually says nothing about that. Well well, because my parents don't do it. Well, sure, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. Well, because or because of this, or, or, or what about that, Oh, because, because, because. We bring up all of these excuses we have heard repeated to us, and we begin to analyze them, and we see there is no substance behind them. We begin to realize we have zero idea what we're talking about, and we have thought we have known the answers all along, but man we have barely scratched the surface as to why we think the thoughts that we think. We have been so steeped in our own biases, in our own bubble, that somebody asks us a couple questions and refused those answers by saying they're insignificant answers and we're at a complete and utter loss. So, so from there, what happens? We have to dig. We have to do some digging, we have to research, we have to move to a new perspective, to the second type of perspective. (laughs) And you're thinking, oh good, we're making progress. Oh no, the worst part is that you move from no perspective to a wrong perspective. (laughs) If I'm doing research, how am I moving to a wrong perspective? Well, it might be better labeled as a shallow perspective. No one, when learning a subject for the first time, is any good at it. We may gain the essence of the principle of the lesson right away, but it's shallow. Okay, drinking is not wrong. Great! That's a fantastic process for the religious person. It's great progress. I can drink whenever I want, whatever I want, and it's okay to have as much as as much as I want as long as I don't get drunk. Well, Oh, man. Okay. Uh, I mean, yes, but, but whenever you want, whatever you want, that's quite the strong mantra there, buddy. Some of us take it to the extreme and say, therefore, because drinking is not wrong, drink to your heart's content. This is a shallow view of the subject. There's no nuance to it. There's no wisdom to it. The pendulum swings from the fundamentalist to the nihilist, to the to to the to the liberalist, to the strong freedomist. And and there's no rules. There's no wisdom, there's no nuance. There's a shallow perspective. It's a wrong perspective. Why? Because it is steeped in Misconceptions and lies It leads us far away from the truth We at least had a rule in our life When we had no perspective When we were just living off our own biases Now we go to a wrong perspective Because we still haven't taken the time To get a nuanced A proper understanding of the subject It takes a long time To move from a shallow perspective To our third perspective Because to move to our third perspective, we need to find a deeper understanding of the subject. We need a deep perspective, a right perspective, a whole perspective. You and I need a whole perspective. This type of perspective takes time to look at every side of the issue and is wise enough to say, well, in this instance, it might be okay to drink. It might even be smart to drink, and in this instance it might not be. We begin to put the trappings of wisdom onto the subject to find a greater, a deeper, more holistic understanding of the subject at hand. At this stage, you become a type of experts, knowing every type of move you can make as you move forward. Using your sense of the situation, the pros and cons of doing what action, move forward that is a whole perspective that is a right perspective and sometimes the perspective journey stops there our reasoning's stops there and that's a good thing i believe at this point you have completed the steps of perspectives and you have gained correct whole perspective from no perspective to shallow to whole you've examined your life, the pros and cons of the ideas, you've tackled the issues from all angles. You can do that, and you're going to be far better off than most people who sit in their bubble, who sit in their biases and refuse to go deeper. Today our reading is from the book of James. In this text, he is challenging our perspective. This it is a hard one today because it is about money. And in our North American world, money is on par with status. The more you have, the greater you are. Let me quickly read the passage, and we can walk through it, and then we'll finally go into the last two types of perspective. This is going to be reading from the New Living Translations, James chapter 1, verses 9 to 12. Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers, the little flower droops and falls, and beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all their achievements. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. James is telling us <clears throat> that the poor are honored by God, and it is the rich who have been humbled. This is backwards as North Americans. This is not my perceived reality. This is not the way I live. I do not look to the poor as as honored by God. And many of you are probably the same way. We think it is much better to be rich than poor. It is better to have more than less. This, my friends, is a silly thing for the Bible to say. Why would James say it? Maybe because he wrote it because he knew most of the people who would be reading this letter at this time would have lost everything. They would have lost their reputation, their business, and even their sense of place in the world, would have been uprooted and and, and smothered out. Maybe he's saying this because the rich were were oppressing the poor, and because there was inequality among them, and the rich thought themselves as better. Well, it makes sense why James would say, It is the poor who have been honored and the rich who have been humbled. We're we're not sure exactly the reason James wrote this. But we know what he's saying is that he is changing his mentee's perspective from having no perspective, living in a bias, in a bubble that believes it is better to be rich than poor, to a shallow perspective on who God honors and humbles james is teaching them to have a whole perspective on wealth over this past month we've talked about mentors and suffering and wisdom and now perspective (coughs) we've talked about all this because james is teaching his mentees how to push through the trials and suffering and having a holistic perspective Everything has been turned upside down for his followers, and he's, and they are asking, We thought we had the answers, and now everything has changed. What do we do now? Sometimes you can have the right perspective, a whole perspective from what seems like reasoning and examining your life alone, as Christians, there is a deeper storyline being played out we believe God does work to bring us to the realization that we have had a lack of perspective but just because you have gained a right and whole perspective doesn't mean it ends there that perspective may be put to the test and you're going to struggle because you're asking is it all worth it is it worth losing my business my wealth, my family relationship, my health, my status within this community for one idea? For the primary readers of this letter, to those the letter was addressed to, James was saying that it is. They are asking the question, they are crying out, we have given everything to Jesus, now we've lost everything, and now even further people are seeking us out to mock us. To commit evils against us. To cause division amongst us. Did we have the right perspective? Some will come to know the living God. Whose name is Jesus. And, and they start with no perspective on him. They have zero thoughts in him. And they come to realize through examining their own fundamental beliefs. They really have no idea who Jesus is. They've only regurgitated what they've been taught since their childhood. The biases and their bubble keep them ignorant from who Jesus is. So some come to realize this. And realizing they have no perspective, they move to a shallow perspective. Maybe, maybe he did live. Maybe Jesus was truly a man. Maybe he wasn't just a man. Maybe he was a great teacher. Maybe, maybe he was a lot of things. But he was not God. Some come to the shallow idea of who Jesus was. A great teacher, but a man nonetheless. They don't go deep. They don't go deep enough. They don't come to a holistic view of who Jesus truly was. But some. Some come to experience the risen Christ. The powerful Jesus. The God Jesus. They read the scriptures. They feel the spiritual possibilities pulling at their hearts, telling them they let go of their bottle to recognize who Jesus truly is. They experienced the whole Jesus, the true Jesus, the Jesus who lived a perfect life, died a death he didn't deserve, rose again because death could not hold the Son of God. And giving their life to Jesus, these men and women experienced what it means to be born again. They feel lifted out of their own life And they give that life to Jesus, who in return gives them spiritual, eternal life. And now some are asking the question, do we have a right perspective? We come to the fourth type of perspective. Lost perspective. Lost perspective. This is where the trials and tests come to prove the integrity of our thoughts. This is where your whole perspective is put to the test when something rocks you. Many scholars have lost their trust in God because of the question of suffering and evil. Some have lost it through the sheer hypothetical question itself, but I've heard of more losing their faith when suffering comes home to roost. When someone has faith, but has suffered little, it is far easier for some to deal with the problem of evil and suffering. But when hard suffering comes upon them, they lose their first close relative. They gain a serious illness. Their perspective is challenged. Do I actually believe what I know to be true? That's it transfer from my mind to my heart? When push comes a shove and I continue to grab hold onto something that will stable my mind, am I able to keep hold onto the things I thought to be true. It brings very close to when a person comes to realizing they have no perspective. It is a second look at what they thought they truly believed. People gain true perspective, but they lose it because it never transfers from their mind to their heart. They won't fight for it and that perspective is lost. James is teaching those who are losing their perspective to renew Their perspective. And we've come to the final perspective. Renewed perspective. This is the last one. And it is the last one that has been battle tested. It holds on with great force. There are great roots to this tree because they come through trial and they've stood fast. It is like gold that has been put through the furnace and Put to the fire to, to bring up all the impurities from the gold so it can be taken out. It is gold that is pure. This faith is like that gold. It is pure. And that gold is then shaped upon a crown that will be placed on your head. Why? Because you will hold onto it as reality itself. It doesn't matter where you are in life, whether you're poor or rich, old or young. James is reminding his audience that in the end, all earthly things are fading away. And that is true, right perspective. James concludes his first part of his letter to tell his readers, grab some perspective. Wealth is something that may be acquired. It may be inherited while others may never grow up hold hold onto it. What is the difference in the long run here? The poor, the rich, there is no difference. It doesn't make you more special. It all fades away like the grass and the flowers of a field. God honors poor people, but humbles rich people because riches and wealth compared to life mean nothing. Oh, what a statement that is. Riches and wealth compared to Jesus means nothing. Jesus, who gave his body and blood so that you and I might have life, and life to the full, should mean so much more to us than money. Don't lose your perspective. Don't be lied to. Money is not life. Jesus is life. Jesus is the one who gives life. What roots out lies in your life? Because the truth is that there are lies out here waiting to consume your soul by distracting it from what is important. James makes this point about money. Do not be distracted by wealth. It is here today, it will be gone tomorrow. What actually lasts? It is God's blessing that gives us the crown of life. God promises though to the to us who love Him. Love God, not Money, you can only have one master serving one and hating the other. Serve God, love God, not money. This is right and whole perspective. If you switch those up, you're believing a lie. You're in danger of believing the lie that will cost you your life. Therefore, gain right perspective of life to root out the lies. Understand that areas where you have no perspective, so that you may gain a shallow one, deepening it to have right perspective. Then let that be tested so that you gain renewed, pure perspective, that you gain truth. Because the greatest truth is to have a right perspective of who Jesus is, because he is the way, the life, and the truth. And nobody comes to God except through him. The gospel question today is, who is Jesus? Is he the Lord and Savior? Or is he some good teacher? I pray today that you find truth. I pray today you find Jesus. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. I hope today's talk was helpful and that you've taken something away from today's discussion. You may not agree with everything I've said today, but take the topic to your friends, your family, your community, your coworkers, and allow your mind to be transformed through a community of learners. May God bless you today and forever. You've listened to an NCP conversation Presenting biblical sermons through a TED Talk like fashion. And I've been your host, William Kahn. I appreciate all of you, and I'll talk to you in a couple of days. See you later.